Hey, what's going on, everybody? It is uh, Mark and Aaron with The Warrior and the Wolf, and welcome to The Warrior and the Wolf podcast. Uh, the first thing that we want to do, we want to start out, and we wanted to say the goal of, uh, of the show is basically just provide a safe space for men to show up authentically. Um, we're going to hear some pretty tough stuff as we step into these podcasts and into men's stories. Um, and, you know, we talked about as we market the podcast that it's a safe place for men, but parenthetical, women too. Um, but the reality of it is um, uh, kind of our experience comes from being men. So, um, but, we, but we also want to allow women to show up authentically any way that they feel led to do so with us. So uh, thanks for joining us. We really, really appreciate it. Um, the first thing that we're going to start every single episode with uh, is what we call a check-in. Um, and I always preface stuff like this with, and we talked a little bit about it earlier, right? Yeah, like yeah. I, I grew up, don't be sad, right? You, men don't cry. Yeah. Don't be scared. Suck it all up. these things. Don't be, don't be like, suck it up. Don't be a pussy. All that good stuff. Right. Yeah. And so anger was that masculine emotion I was allowed to have. Yeah. And then you said something that I hadn't even thought of. Well, it was there just really wasn't any emotion in my, it's like everything was swept under the rug. Just move on. Be, you know, the, uh, I guess the Southern Baptist turn the other cheek. Sure. Be the, be meek, just go along with life. It just happens. So there yeah. wasn't, there wasn't like, there wasn't anger. There wasn't happiness. There was just a lot of flat lines. Sometimes. Right, so, I mean, the reality of it is at the end of the day, you, our experiences have been men, have a hard time stepping into certain emotions. And because of that, a lot of things can come out sideways. Yes. Uh, prime example, uh, I get sad or I get scared and I bottle it, I bottle it, I stuff it, I do all these things. And it comes out as anger sideways with my family, whether it be my wife or my kids. And that's not the man that I want to be. The man that I want to be is I yeah. own my emotions and, uh, those are okay. Like we say all the time, they're emotions. They're God-given emotions. They're just emotions. Step into them. I think a lot of times um, what I see and hear and growing up is that emotions are manufactured. Hmm. Like I think a lot of, especially young boys are taught like your emotions are manufactured. Like, you know, we, like you said, we talk about this stuff like emotions just are. They, mm -hmm. they, they aren't good, bad, they're indifferent. Right. Um, but I think a lot of times, especially for young boys or young men, it's like, well, you're manufacturing. You're just being, you're just being sad because you want to be sad. Mm. Um, well, that downplays the emotion it too. Does. So we're taught what? Stuff it. Stuff it. Who? I don't want to be seen. I don't want to be seen in this space because it's not a good emotion. Yeah, and we've we've talked about the the beach ball. You know, metaphor. Yeah. I guess it may not be the metaphor. May not be the right word, but analogy. Analogy. There yeah. you go. See, I guess you. you're the smart one. I'm just Easy. a pretty. I'm Easy. just a pretty one. <laughs> um, they, um, but like the beach ball, like we're all kids at the pool stuff to try to like sit on the beach ball under the under the pool, and it every time inevitably shoots out, but it goes sideways, backwards, diagonal, yep. usually hitting some old lady that's jazzercising in the face. I like old ladies jazzercising. It's fine. So the big thing, everybody, what we want you to know is we are going to check in every single episode. The very first thing that Aaron and I are going to do is we're going to sit here and we're going to check in. Now, our work uh, that we do, and you're going to hear us bring up our work a lot more on that later, but uh, in the work that we do, uh, we have six primary emotions that we like to hang our hats on, and yep. uh, we call it sachet emotions. Sad, angry, scared, happy, excited, and tender. S-A-S-H-E-T. So sachet emotion, sad, angry, scared, happy, excited, tender. And one thing as we check in, um, we typically do not uh, quantify or qualify our emotions. It's not, uh, I'm not a little bit scared. I'm not a little bit angry. I just am. That anger is there. That fear is there. And so just own those emotions, step into them, be authentic, and let's figure it out. So uh, I, I will defer to you. We'll do what we typically do, sachet emotions, just a little bit of context. Uh, just kind of want to know where you're at coming in this morning because uh, a lot of stuff going oh, on for man. you. Oh, man. I mean, yeah, so huh, checking in today, um, I, I have all of them. So, I would, you know, we use the, the term full sachet. Like, I can't narrow down one or another, okay. but definitely full full sachet. Um, 
like start with a happy excited. I'm super happy and excited to be here doing this. Um, it's been a long time coming. Um, so yeah, I'm super excited, super happy. Um, so the sad, angry, scared, and tender all comes out of, um, yeah, family situation we're dealing with where a young man and, uh, and my family is very, very sick. Um, and, and, and we've talked and it's, it's, it's life or death touch and go. Um, so I'm sad and scared for him and his family. I'm super tender for his, his dad, um, being a dad myself. And I mean, we were just talking about like two, three weeks ago at Thanksgiving, I'm playing catch in my backyard with this, this kid. Um, so yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm really scared. I'm really sad for them. I'm angry um, that we're in such a broken world where um, young men that have their whole life ahead of them um, may not get to see that. So that's scary and makes me angry. So with all that, my friend, I am in. That's awesome, brother. So uh, one thing that I want to point out is um, when you'll notice that when Aaron was checking in, I was dead silent. And we want to we want to honor that man when that when we check in, we give them that opportunity. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, uh, let's see. Definitely sad. Notice sadness, happy, excited um, and tender. Um, scared, scared too. Uh, sad, uh, as you know, mom passed away this year. Uh, mom's birthday was Tuesday, yeah. uh, the first time that I had stepped into that space. And then my birthday was two days later. So having our birthdays so close together uh, for years and years and years, um, yeah, this is my first time without her. Uh, so super sad in that space. Um, scared, uh, our eldest has made the decision to move to a different part of our state. Gratefully, it's four and a half hours away, so I'm grateful for that. But scared, um, yeah, did, did I do well enough in raising him? Is he going to be okay on his own, just tossing the bird out of the nest and hoping he flies? So a lot of fear around that, not only for him, but how did I do? So fear for that, right? Uh, again, to mirror uh, your check-in, happy and excited. Man, I... As Brian and I prepped last week for this, I've had podcast, I've had all the tools and resources for three years, and I have been terrified to pull the trigger. So happy and excited that we're finally in there. And uh, tender, as we head into the holiday season, which is probably something we'll end up talking about today, um, heading into the holiday season, loss. Loss is a big, big deal. So a ton of firsts for me, um, and yeah. Tender, scared, sad about that. With that, I am in. So <clears throat> episode one, my friend, <laughs> is going to be about you. Um, yay. <laughs> I love your fake yay. That makes yeah. me happy. Um, it, and the way that you're fidgeting, so on and so forth, there's fear. Well, that's just the ADD, too. And, and that's okay. Do you have any fear? I think there's always fear around sharing... Um, hard parts of your story that might be deemed as shameful sure. or painful. Sure. Um, I mean, gosh, I've, I mean, you and I have been doing this stuff for, I mean, not in front of a microphone, but this stuff for five years almost. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I have shared my story a dozen times. Mm -hmm. um, and there's always something cathartic about sharing it. Um, but there is, there is fear, and I feel like it's healthy to acknowledge that fear. Well, and, you know, we've pointed out before, yeah, you've shared your story over and over and over. I've heard your story. I love your story. I love your heart behind your story. And it's always been within a container of a specific number of men. Yeah. <clears throat> and as Brian gets ready to throw this out onto the interwebs, I can only imagine there's some fear. Yeah. So I want to honor you, very first thing. I know that what we're going to talk about is tough for you. The second thing that I want to do is just give everybody who's listening out there a, a heads up. Yeah. Uh, we, Aaron and I talked a little bit about it. I'll let you give the heads up. I mean, we, we talk about in the beginning of we want, we want a safe place to be authentic and to tell my story authentically. Uh, gosh, I hate, I hate the word triggering, but 
there are possibly some things in my story and my background that could trigger some some people. It's probably more for an adult geared um, audience, I guess. Sure. I mean, if there's, sure. I think young men and kids need to be guided as well. But you know, if there's, so I guess is the where they give the warning in church when they're going to have the sex talk. Like, this is your chance to take your kids to right. kids ministry. So that's kind of kind of where where I'm at. There's going to be some hard things sure. discussed. And I think that one of the things I'm most excited about in this space is it took a long time for you to be willing to step fully into your story and own it. And I'm really, really hoping that I know it's going to happen. There's a man out there that has a very similar story. Yep. And you're going to help him have some ahas and feel safe in that place. So um, I'll interject every now and then. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, tell me a little bit about your story. Well, um, so my story start, starts way back when. Um, uh, gosh, I was, I was about seven or eight. Um, I was kind of a, I don't I really liked people. I was kind of a loner kid. Um, I had a younger, have, still have a younger sister, um, but she was four or five at the time. Um, didn't have a ton of friends, but I did have family. Um, and I, they were much older. I mean, most of my older family cousins, that kind of stuff, were probably 16, 17, you know, coming into adulthood, that kind of stuff. Um, but man, being the, you know, being an eight year old boy is like, you want to impress everybody. You want everybody to be, what? Who? I wanted to. Yeah. Good catch. This is my story. So own it. Being an eight year old, I wanted to impress the older, you know, the older guys. They think I was cool. Wanted that to be a thing. So, um, the story starts where, um, I had a family member decide we wanted to, uh, play a game. And, you know, they asked me if I wanted to uh, play doctor. I was like, I don't know what that means. That sounds stupid. But, yeah, I want to be your I'll be your friend, so let's let's go. Because um, you're trying to impress them with the older kids. I wanted to – I wanted. it's easy to sit here now at 39 and be like, that was a dumb decision. But that's judgment on my part. But eight-year-old, I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. Um, so the initial game of doctor turned into – probably what you're what you're thinking what everybody's thinking like it turned into um molestation and abuse that lasted over the course of probably the next year a couple it wasn't consistently every day but it definitely happened more than once um and at eight i i wasn't sure what to think I think deep down I knew it wasn't right. What was going on? What was happening? Wasn't right. Wasn't normal. But again, I was spending time with somebody that I might have looked up to and wanted to be around. I, I, I want to interject. Just ask yeah, you a question here, brother. So you found a way to make someone like you. Yes. Because I, I'm guessing that pattern's going to show up later. Oh yeah. You found a way to make somebody like you. So yeah, I want to do this because this person who I look up to, who I like, who I love, right? It likes me in this space. Yeah. So, I mean, spending time with that person um, kind of became the ultimate goal, I guess. Um, um, so it, it, it happened, like I said, Multiple more times. So was this the case, like, this family member was babysitting you? This family member was just around at family gatherings? Was Usually it was just family gatherings visiting their house. Okay. Um, it never really um, happened. Um, there was never an incident where they were babys- babysitting us where, where this uh, didn't happen. But it was... Usually in the basement, back room. Um, so after, I said after probably a year, um, I decided to um, finally say something. I don't know. I can't tell you why. I don't know why I decided to say something at this time, but 
I just had finally decided to, you know, tell my, my parents. Something came online. Something. This feels like this isn't right. Yeah. So while this person likes me, how I'm getting that attention doesn't feel right. Yes. Okay. So to kind of take a time out and pause real quick, I feel like it's important before I go into the next part is the people that are involved in kind of the next part of the story have also been doing their work. We talk about our work. Yep. Um, there has been a lot of healing that has happened with, with them. Are you cutting this or are you going to leave this on? I want this, this part in just so you want this in. Yeah. Okay. And the reason, the reason I, I do is because it's, I feel like telling this story, it makes, it can make some people look I, you know, really bad for a lack of a better term. And it is part of my story and bad things did happen and bad decisions were made. But I feel it's important for me to say that there has been steps towards healing, healing towards this sure. and work been done. And I, we'll get into that towards the end of the story. But before I get, it's just important for me to put that out there. The people my, in your story are doing work. Or, uh, around this and specifically around this okay okay um, uh, so I, oh, you said something there and and i'm curious um because this could be a quote-unquote bad thing yeah right where does that come online for you which part which part of the bad it's thing? bad because you've now made the decision you're going to go say something yeah it's bad did something come online that said this is bad like what I I can't I can't tell you if there's like a catalyst of like this is I just I think from the beginning I knew it was bad, mm. and so that becomes part of the story. That becomes part of the shame. It's like well you knew it was you knew it was bad, but you didn't say something for a year. Right. I, I couldn't comprehend that at eight. Yeah. So when I did come, you know, I don't say come clean. But when I told my parents like, hey, here's what's going on. Most. I guess most kids in that situation would expect a that per, that protection to come online. Did you expect that? Yes, per, I okay. did. I expected I expected that protection to come online. I didn't. I what's didn't. The, what's the response you expected? <laughs> so, as a dad, like right now, I look back and like my response, like. So there's two different responses. My response, like now looking back, like having a, having a son, having my expected response to be like is just swift action and violence. To be honest with you, swift action and violence was the I wouldn't. Yeah, that's the response you expected. At eight, I don't know what I don't think I expected that like swift response and violence. I think at eight, I probably would have expected just punishment of some sort, protection, support for yeah, you. support that that's not right. What you know. And unfortunately, that that was not that was not the case for me. What response did you get? Almost none. I um, mm. the response that I got, um, yeah, it was none really. To the point where I think it was three to four weeks later, this individual was in fact babysitting my sister and I. So your abuser. Was not only had you made this revelation to your to your folks, hey, this is happening. Then they invited that abuser into your life again, purposefully to watch you, mm-hmm. yeah. with no supervision. Nope. I'm wondering. May I offer something? Absolutely. Okay. So, for me, man, the amount of anger that comes with that. Because is your worth tied up in that? Is your value tied up in that? Like, oh yeah, I, I told you this. I told you this, man. Yep. Come on, mom and dad. I told you this, and you purposefully brought this person back in. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. The worth is tied, and 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 that's kind of, you know where the story. I think for me, um, I talk, <laughs> I equate it when I talk a lot about the battle that followed me home. Mm. Because um, it was at eight, it was life changed forever. Like it was going to change forever, no matter what. But it felt compounded. Um, and this is going to feel like minimizing things, and it, and it's it's not because what happened was was horrible. And w- bear with me for a second. I see a look on your face. Um, I have been able to have a conversation, um, 
and especially in this incident with my, with my parents and figure out, cause I asked, I asked why I straight up asked like, why did, why did this happen? And thankfully they didn't try to excuse anything. Um, but again, part of my, I don't want to share anybody's story, but part of my mom's work has been dealing with that same incident sure, and how she handled it as a 20 something year old mom. Right. That doesn't mean that there wasn't damage done and there hasn't been scars and pain. Um, but I can sit here and appreciate her doing her work to deal with it. Um, before, before I go on any further, I, I, there has been, been healing, but there is still a lot more that has to be done. And that's okay. part of, that's part of this is showing up in a safe place authentically right. to tell my story to help. Cause as much as it is for other people, it also helps. Like I said, it's, it's for me is getting it out there and I think there's a ton of processing it. I'm a firm believer that once you own your story, it can't be used against you. Yep. So I, I, when you, when you say the word cathartic, a thousand percent, there's just as much value in sharing your story for you as there is for the person receiving the story. Yes. I'm on board. Yeah. A I million percent. Agree yeah. I think you and I have seen it <laughs> happen time a lot, and time again. A lot. Sure. Um, and so, I mean, continuing with my, with my stuff, you know, when I share my story and I talk about it, it's, I, I talk about my innocence was, was, I feel like my innocence was taken from me. Sure. Cause when most eight or nine year old boys in, in my experience are out or my friends are out playing, I mean, it was when Thundercats were big and Ninja Turtles and <laughs> when, you know, in the eighties and nineties when toys were still cool, um, all that was gone. Right. I equated like sexual action as affection. Mm. Um, wow. So, I mean, at eight or nine, I became, I feel like I became obsessed with, with sex. And I didn't know that at the time. I didn't even know what really sex was to be honest, you know, at the time, but it was like, well, this is how we like people. This is how we show affection. It's is how, it's is okay. Um, and it's not. There's so many statistics out there about kids that are abused that you know become abusers or become. Right. And thankfully, that wasn't my case. I wasn't out like trying to, but I was very curious. I was sure. trying to find. I mean, we got Playboy magazines. Right. Just anything I could. So pornography came online pretty pornography early. Pornography came on online pretty early. Um, thank God it was before internet times. Oh, right. It was not as easy to access. Right. Um, but, just, you know, discovering, God, I mean, masturbation, all that stuff, just trying sure. to figure out how to, it was just such a confusing time, like trying to figure out like what was wrong, what was good, what was right, what made me feel good. Is this authentic? Just chasing down, trying to figure out what was going on. Yeah. All at the same time realizing, well, when you, when you told about this, like they, everybody just kind of swept it under the rug. Like, are you really even worth protecting at this point? Mm. So that's part of that battle that, that followed me home that came online. It's like, you are not worth protecting or the message that came on was like, you're not worth the inconvenience of protecting. Mm. Dude, there's so many things that come online for me here. Number one, it's almost like, the actions that were uh, that that you had going on, they they were normalized. Like yes. this, this is the, like sex is what's driving this whole thing. So because you're looking up to a senior family member, so it's like, oh, this must just be what we do. Mm -hmm. And yeah. then you're looking for other outlets at eight to try and figure out what that looks like for you. On top of the fact that, oh, I thought that the response was going to be. Because something inherently in you said, this is bad. This is bad. What, what's happening to me is bad. Something inherently said that about to you. And you went to your folks and they almost excused it. So, you know, back to the check-in today when you said we weren't allowed to have emotions. Oh, we just go with this flow. This is how it's supposed to be. Yep. Like that's, oh, dude, so much going on right now. It yeah, it was such a confusing time. It's like, well, what really is 
what really is love, what really is affection. And are you worthy of Am it? Am I worthy of it? Like oh. what is, there's just so many of the messages that we're taking on. It's like not being worth it, not being, you know, enough, like, the, you know, not feeling innocent anymore. feeling like I got to chase this. And <laughs> I mean, it's confusing enough as an adult to try to chase down affection and love, but when you're nine and your like whole world is blown up, and you're like, "What right. the hell am I right. supposed to do?" Well, and you chased this family member's attention, right? Yeah. It okay. was so. So then, it became the best way to get attention is to be whatever whoever they want me to be, even if that means even if it means anything. I mean, it just at that point felt like nothing was offline like mm. nothing was out of bounds nothing was off limits it's like well if i want people to love me or accept me i gotta be whoever they want me to be and you know including if that means being somebody's you know plaything or toy for lack you know so authenticity goes no, there's no such out thing. The, yeah no such thing okay not knowing i mean at a time when most young men are coming into you know their pre-puberty or whatever trying to figure out who they are I had no idea. No idea who I was. Um, yeah, so the self-confidence or lack thereof, I don't know if it caused like me like to be an easy target mm. to be manipulated into who people wanted me to be. Um, I just had, I had no self-identity, um, which led into a lot of bullying. I mean, it's funny when I, t not funny, haha, but when I tell people that, like, my story that I was bullied, then people look at me, 6'2", you're, you're... Six two beard, tattoos, yeah. like, I feel like, you were, I was like, yeah, a lot. Um, and I just think because I wasn't, I didn't, I didn't know how to stand up for myself, and I thought if I did, it would, I would be in the wrong. Mm. My whole perception was, don't stand up for yourself, don't say what's going on, just take it. Because that's that's who you are. That's your lot. I mean, I went to a. Oh my gosh! Like that's the definition of who you are. Yeah. You're at nine trying to figure out who you are, just assuming that that's who you are because that's what's led to this point. Yeah. Oh jeez. So I ended up. I mean, we moved. We moved to California at that time. Figured out that I had a learning disability. We being your parents, your sister, and you. Yeah, my family. So the four of us, we moved to California. Um, I didn't know anybody at all. Um, found out I was, like I said, learned it, learning disability. I am dyslexic as hell. Um, just was bullied unmercifully in California. Um, we had neighbors steal my bike. I'd be outside. I mean, just your typical bully, like stuff thrown at you, stuff stolen. It was it was just it was awful. It was uh, it was really horrible. I remember my mom tells a story. They had these spirit days. You know, schools do spirit oh, yeah, days, yeah, yeah. whatever. Um, gosh, I was big into my grandpa had a ranch in North Dakota, and I was big. I would go up there and work with the horses, and I loved it. And they had a Western day, so I had all my authentic cowboy stuff: my boots, hat, shirt, belt, all that. Um, we turned the corner to line up, and I'm literally the only person in the school dressed in any kind of western garb because apparently it wasn't cool in california at the time and uh the entire school like i just remember laughing and pointing and i was like do you want to go home and change i was like no it's fine and see what's unique to me man to hear you say that brother like your worth is already tied up in how somebody else reacts to you mm -hmm. And you're like, nah, it doesn't matter. Like it, it, it almost feels like in that story, you succumb to the fact that it doesn't matter what I think or how I feel. If yeah. they're good, then whatever. Yeah. Oh, shit. So the other big incident of bullying that comes to mind, and it's one of the sadder ones, I think, for me. Um, I went to a, a Christian basketball camp in seventh grade. Um, but I was homeschooled at the time, so I was a homeschool kid. And we didn't have a ton of money. Um, so at a place where kids were wearing like the, this is when Dennis Rodman was a big thing in the the NBA. And he had the worm two shoes that came out. 
So everybody was talking about like their shoes, the worm twos, Allen Iverson. And I had like Kmart plaid shorts that weren't even gym shorts and like the Adidas with the four stripes on them. Um, and I went, God, we were three or four days in and I had been picked on and bullied and it was just normal run of the mill stuff. Like I didn't, it just, it was what it was because that's just how. You just gotten used to that yeah. as the norm. That's what happens with, with Aaron. That's how I'm treated. Yep. So it was one night we, fin- we finished practicing and playing and I got into the shower. So the shower was on the other side of like the camp where our cabin was. Um, so I went over, showered. And when I was showering, the guys that were in my bunk with the super cool shoes came over and stole all of my clothes mm. and all the towels and all the shower curtains. So I had to walk from the shower room to my cabin, like wet and naked as a seventh grade boy, which just, I mean, I think that would mess with anybody mentally, but to go have been through what I had been through and that, that, I don't know if that was a catalyst, but that was definitely a huge reinforcement of like. You say the story I'm telling myself for you to know that the name of the freaking shoe was Worm Two. Yeah. The story I'm telling myself is that had a huge impact on you. Oh yeah, I I remember laying in a in a dorm room in a bunk on the top bunk in the back corner. And just cry, like literally crying myself to sleep around a bunch of other like teenage boys. Um, so sadness had come online. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Super sad. But again, it was the story. It's like, well, this is, this is what you were made for. This is who you are. Like you're like. This is all you're good for. This is all you're good for. Um. At that point, I, that's when I kind of developed a uh, a sense of humor. Because I figured if I could make people laugh or la- laugh either at me or before me, they weren't going to pick on me. Uh, eight Mile, right? Eminem, at the yeah. end, at, I'll make fun of myself and I'll just shut you down. Yep. So you can't win. I'll, I'll win first. Which sounded like a great plan until the humor became very self-deprecating. Sure. Because it's just reinforcing that. Stuff that's everything that's wrong with me, everything that's well, because again, what we tell ourselves manifests, yeah, right. I keep telling myself this, yeah, of course. So, hitting all that, but I'm but I'm making them laugh, so you're at least getting the attention. So, then they want to be around the funny kid because hey, he'll make you laugh, you're at least getting the attention, yeah. Um, which continued all the way through adulthood. I, I joined the military, um. And I, I, I'm super proud of my time in the Air Force. I'm super proud of being in the military. But bullying still continued. The bullying showed up in, in the military. So the bullying showed up in the military. And the problem, the big, the big reinforcement there was because of chain of command, I wasn't allowed to say anything. You mean stand up for yourself. Right. They'd say whatever they want to you, do whatever they want to you. And, and, I, and this isn't a slam on the military. And, and, and there's, oh, I, I, I'm very proud of my time in there, but of there course. were certain individuals that took advantage of being in a position of authority to, for lack of a term, to be a complete asshole. The military's predicated on authority, yes. rank. I mean, rank is everything. And for a reason, and for a good reason. I understand Of course, that. of course. But when there's people above you that are bullying and... Rank is different than leadership. Hundred percent, because there are people that have rank that aren't good leaders. Correct. So it was just another. It was just another nail in the reinforcement. Yeah. Um, different relationships, trying to chase different different women, fulfill that physical, sexual relationship, whatever it because might that's be. where your values. Yeah, that's where your value sets is right I was, there. I was there to make people laugh at me, and I was there to find affection and and physical. I didn't. Yep. So this, the self-deprecating, the, the bullying, the depression, the anxiety finally came, came to a head. Um, and I, I worked in a position where I was armed every day. Mm. And I had just decided one day, you know what? I'm done. I don't want to do it anymore. 
And um, I decided when we were turning in our weapons at the end of the night that I was going to dr- drive off to um, a lake back in the back of the base, take my service weapon, and they it'd be a while before they found me, but I'd be able to do what I need to do. Um, just so happens that we had a uh, the base commander visit that day, so there was people everywhere. So it just wasn't. I guess practical at that time. There wasn't really a way to sneak away and take a service weapon with you. But um, a couple days later, we had we had a uh, we, they were called flights when we were in the Air Force. Our, our team was a flight, so we just had a flight barbecue party. And one of the younger guys that I was kind of helping supervise brought his wife. Um, we met, hit it off, really liked it. I really liked each other. The conversation. And she ended up having a few drinks and told me, she's like, if it wasn't for him, I'd take you inside and bang you right now. So we kept... Touching on your worth and your value. 100%. Yep. And I was like, oh, somebody who finally sees me for me, that likes me, that... So I decided to postpone my plan of driving to the lake. I was like, I'm going to see, see where this goes. Knowing, full well knowing that this is not... I mean, not, not only morally, we can speak on the moral stuff, but not only morally is it... Sure. Not something you line up with. Yes. Right. But the military still has legal codes about that. Right. Like the UCMJ still has, like, you could go to jail. But I'm worth somebody's time, effort, and affection. So all of those negatives are 100% worth it to me. Yes. There you go. Um, So, man, one thing led to another. We just kept talking, having relationships. We ended up actually at a house party in Denver and we were both drinking and she kept feeding her husband at the time just massive amounts of booze to where he got passed out. We all fell asleep, fell asleep. I'm using air quotes in an air mattress on an air mattress. And she decided that she wanted to make good on her. If it wasn't for him, I'd go inside and bang you right now. So literally with him next to us in the bed, Passed out next to you Passed on the bed. Next to us in you're the bed. having sex with this man's wife. Yes. Wow. Because you're trying to chase. This is where the value is. This yeah. is my worth. So a full blown. And I got attention. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it. I mean, gosh, it felt good. It was exciting. Somebody liked me. And this is where I realized, like, what a manipulator I had become. Like, I realized that I can, was manipulating my way into most situations and becoming whoever I needed to be and manipulating people to want to be with me, be around me. So I manipulated the system so much to where I even had his shift switched. So we could, when he was working 12-hour shifts, we could... Continue your affair. Be, be together unnoticed. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you had control of this gentleman's schedule? Not completely control of his schedule, but I knew how to manipulate the people that did. Because that's what you knew. Yeah, because it kept me, I, yeah, I became a manipulator to make myself safe. So people noticed, and people didn't notice the full affair. Sure. Um, but people did notice that there was a lot more time being spent together, blah, blah, blah. But it was always, on the, we were really careful about it. Because we always made sure he knew something that we were going to do something. We were going to. You had to be together because we we're doing this. We're doing this. Sir. Yeah. Her car broke down, so I was taking her home from the gym, and. Yep. But people saw. People wrote like official statements, and they basically gave me in the military what's called a no contact order. Okay. Um, and I remember that night specifically. I'm a grown ass man in the military, and I called my parents bawling. And saying they're taking her away from me. Those are the words I used. They're taking her away from me. Another man's wife. Another man's wife who wasn't mine is being taken ever, away. From is being you. taken away from me yep. because I'm making. So, I ended up getting some injuries, medical stuff in the military, and getting medically retired. When I found this out, I helped facilitate and manipulate even more, facilitate their divorce. 
I helped this man go get paperwork, fill it out, and file for a divorce. Because he still didn't know about this, right? No. I think he suspected at some point. Okay. Um, but at that time. But that time he didn't know. So you're still a confidant for this man. Yep. And he's like, hey, can you help me out? Gladly. Yep. Because they took her away from me. Yep. I mean, there were nights where they'd be having marital problems and fighting, and he'd call me. And my fear was that he would find out. Sure. And I'd end up in jail or out of the military. So I would invite him, hey, just come spend the night in my apartment. So I could keep tabs on you, keep tabs on your phone, keep tabs on who you're talking to. Um, they ended up getting divorced. We, I got, I got my medical discharge, and we moved to Indiana to live with her mom in a two-bedroom, tiny little house. Okay. So you got the girl? Yep. <clears throat> and I was absolutely miserable. Why? <clears throat> well, what I didn't know... Um, was I had gotten myself into a physically and mentally abusive relationship. Stands to reason. Yep. You've been there before. So there's a pattern. So here I am, a you know, six two, fairly good shape, right out of the military, having my ass handed to me by this young lady. This young this young woman. Yeah. And instead of cutting ties, packing my stuff up and leaving, I stayed stayed there for months. We ended up moving to Florida, stayed with my parents, who witnessed the abuse. Because that's your worth. Because my worth. It's like, that's... well, I'm not going to find anybody else. This is just how my relationships are going to be. Yep. This is how it's been from the beginning, from age eight. And how old are you now in this scenario? Oh, gosh, in this scenario, I'm probably 24, 25. Wow. Okay. Um, finally got the courage up to break up with her in the relationship. Okay. <laughs> she ended up stealing half of my stuff, switching out the boxes, which was very clever of her. Um, for me, I found a church I got involved in. Okay. Um, kind of rekindled a relationship with God. Um, I'd like to say that that's where the, you know, tie a pretty bow on it, be like, I found the church, I found God again, and everything Whee! was, everything was... Yeah. <laughs> no, I had toxic relationship after toxic relationship with women. I, I was... To tell people I'm dating these women that like we get on what I thought was like the fifth date, and they're like, "Oh no, we're just like friends." But you're really nice and make me dinner and buy me things. I was going to ask, what does toxic mean to you? There, because if I show up a certain way, mm -hmm. someone will like me. Someone will appreciate me. I get love by making sure everybody else is okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I could I could buy affection. Um, Thousand percent. Gosh. And I, it was just a, a, a pattern. And then, I mean, fast forward, you know, to, gosh, let's say, I mean, I just celebrated 10 years with my wife. So 10 years, let's fast forward 10, or go to 10 years, fast forward from that story, but rewind 10 years from, from now, right got now. married. Yep. And I thought, man, I'm going to, I've been working in ministry as a student minister. I've been going to school to become a pastor. I got my shit together. Sure. Like, like I, I'm going to make a great husband and a great dad. I <laughs> could not have been more wrong. Um, because I was very unhealthy and very broken. How'd that come out? So we talk about checking in. Yeah. And if we don't own our shit, right, mm -hmm. it has a tendency to come out sideways like that beach ball. Yep. So how did it, was it coming out sideways? Oh yeah. So my, so it was definitely fear. Okay. Fear of losing her, fear of her being one of those other, like. She's going to leave. One of those other girls. Going to use me and leave. Yep. Yep. Um. And I, I, I swear by like, I swear it's a miracle that we got married in October. All of our doctors had told us like, it's going to take a long time for you to get pregnant if at all, because I mean, we got married later. Gosh, I'm 39. We got married at 29. Right. So, and she's two years older than me. So we're trying to like start a family now, but their doctor's like, no, it's going to take a little while. Um, gosh, so we got married in October. We went on our honeymoon in March in Mexico and ended up getting pregnant like right away. And I'm convinced that God did that to keep this marriage together because really? she has said, but she has said before, she's like, I honestly don't know with the way that you like the way that you were in our first year of marriage. If we didn't have our son, 
than if I would have been able to stay around. Okay. So let me ask you this. Does that just feed the story then of if you hadn't done this for me, if you haven't given this to me, then I would have left? No, not in this aspect because I don't, I think she's being genuinely honest. It was more of a wake up call for you. I have, I want to be a better man. Yes. And I think for her, for her, she says it's good because she stuck around and now we have two beautiful boys, been married for 10 years. Um, but we were a couple years into it and we talk about our work. Right. And I discovered all this stuff from, from church. And I'm like, I had another family member was going through a whole crap storm in his life. Right. And I'm like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to go to his, let's get, you know, I want to get him to go to this thing and do this work. Right. And I'm going to go in support of him because I'm, I'm fine. And I was not fine. Um, and all of this stuff. I said the battle that followed me home came to light. It's like, man, I have been broken and wounded and completely unauthentic to myself for 30 years almost. Um, Because it's all you knew. Yeah. So I guess a consumer is myself. Like this is the part where I don't want to like tie a nice little bow on it and be like, now I'm fixed and I'm, (laughs) but I'm not. And we know better. We know, we know better. better. Yeah. And that's the whole purpose behind this is like my story is deep, dark, and there's a lot of wounds. And there is still, to even this week, there are things that come up that I'm working on and healing. And I, I, I thank God for this work and men like you that I can be safe with and process. Like this is not, this stuff is not okay. And it really hurt and it mm-hmm. really messed me up. Well, and you touch on something though, Aaron, like, it's ongoing. Yeah. Like we're in this work with so much more work to do. So again, one of the reasons that we decided we wanted to do this was we know, we know that other men want and or need this. Yeah. If for no other reason, just to be safe, I'm not alone. Okay. I'm not weird. I am worthy of more. But there's a lot of work that goes into it, man. A ton of work, and it's scary. And for me specifically, and, to touch, and I can only speak to my story, but I know I've done so much research and stuff on men that are victims of sexual abuse or sexual exploitation or sexual, and you don't hear about it a lot because men don't talk about it. Right. Because yep. men are tough and men aren't victims. Yep. See, something like one in nine men have been a victim of it, and they don't talk about it. And there's, I mean, there's... Is it seriously one in nine? It's one in nine. And 85% of that are by a close family member. How? What's that? 85. So the one in nine yeah. that experience it, it's 85, 84% of the time it's a close, close friend or family member. That's, pardon my friend, that's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. So... To further go into that statistics that men that go through stuff that I went through are 75% more likely to experience anxiety, depression, sexual dysfunction of some sort, PTSD, and suicide. Well, in the sexual dysfunction, my gosh. I mean, that's a whole, we could, that's yeah, a that, that, six-part episode. I'm glad you narrowed it down to six. Just throw out a random number there. <laughs> I got it. Um so that's why I share my story. So sitting here with you, I, as we kind of, we are going to put a bow on this for you well, today. Well, this one, yeah. I, um, man, I love you. I'm proud of you. Um, yes, I have heard your story, but it hits me every freaking time, dude. It just hits every, because the balls it takes to sit here and know, okay, this is now on the interwebs. The vulnerability in that space, man, I, I, cause you are, you're, you're a burly type of dude, man. (laughs) If anybody gets a chance, go and check out Aaron. He, he's, (laughs) but I, I remember thinking the first time I heard your story, just looking at you and who you are and how you carry yourself. I'm like, that could not have happened to this man. The confidence that you exude this outward appearance that you have, which again is why we are putting this out there because you can show up authentically. Yeah. 
And I love you, dude. I love you so much. I'm glad that we're doing this together. And too, uh, I'm right? grateful that you were willing to share your story. Hey, um, everybody, if you are, I, th I think it's super important. Um, one, and Aaron brought up a couple of pieces, but one of his uh, big pieces of the story that I want to harp on right now is the suicide part. That's a big driver for me and why I wanted to do this. We've lost a few folks that um, I miss quite a bit. 988. 988 is what I want you to text or what I want you to call. 988 is, they, they've simplified the suicide prevention hotline. 988, um, if you're having a hard time and um, want to put it out there, if you want to connect with Aaron and I in this space, thewarriorandthewolf at gmail.com. Um, reach out. We are happy to serve you any way that we possibly can. Uh, a lot of times uh, that means we need to give you a call. And so we'll probably ask for that phone number so we can walk you, talk you through some stuff and just let you know that you are loved, you are seen, and um, we're, we're glad that you're around. So, uh, Aaron, any, any parting shots for us as we wrap up episode number? I don't, we're going to see what Brian says. Episode I don't know one. if this is 1, 2, 12. One, two or Wherever 12. Brian puts this is the episode yeah. that it is. The beginning, regardless. Um, the one thing I want to add is check on your people, too. Oh, show up. You have no idea like what a quick text or a phone call saying, hey, how you doing? Thinking about you can do to somebody. Yeah, a million percent. For real. Well, and mean it. If yes. you send it, right? If you, if you send that text, be ready. I genuinely do want to know what you feel. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're Thanks, also Brian. on we'll do that. Facebook and Instagram soon. Yeah. <laughs> By the time this goes out, we will we'll have an Instagram, Instagram page. But we, yeah, we do have a Facebook page. We do have an Instagram uh, handle. Uh, Warrior and the Wolf is where you can find us on all of those sweet, sweet social media platforms. Uh, I don't know if a TikTok channel is quite up our alley, but we'll talk about that later. Maybe. Uh, or YouTube or any of that stuff. But hey, genuinely, folks, if you men, women, if we can help you in any way, shape or form, if Aaron's story hits really, really close to home and you want some support in that, reach out. We're more than happy to help. Uh, you are not alone. Absolutely. Uh, and the world is a better place because you're in it. So for right now, uh, I'm Mark. That over there is Aaron. We are the warrior and the wolf, and we will see you on the next episode. Absolutely.